0: Welcome back to Living a Whole Christian Life. This is Dr. Jim Schrader. We're here for our 15th episode of this podcast, and I'm so excited to be back with you today on this actually Sunday evening. As I was sitting here listening to my daughter play piano in the other room, and for a second I thought I was going to have to walk over and tell her that she needed to stop so that I could kind of record the podcast, but I thought, you know what? If you happen to hear some background noise and it sounds like piano playing, it's probably the best thing you could hear this time wherever you're at right now. No matter where you're at, I hope that things are going well in your end. I'm excited to dive into another part of our series. So the last few weeks, we've been actually talking about the framework for holiness with a WH. Again, much of this material is taken from my book, Holiness, the Unified Pursuit of Health, Harmony, Happiness, and Heaven. And so we've talked about three aspects of the framework. The first is anxiety and fear. And the question of what we do with that anxiety and that fear in our lives and when it is there in a positive way, but also when we have to work through it as resistance to our Lord and the love that we have for other people. The second aspect of our framework that we've been talking a lot about is pride. Pride, you know, has many manifestations and there's a healthy way to feel pride about the things, the efforts, and the people that we're a part of. But also, of course, pride can be the root of all vices. And we spent some time talking about being able to pay attention more closely to pride in our lives. The last part of the framework that we just came off of was talking about the inlets of our soul and how to develop ways and aspects of habits that we have that create renewal or resurrection in our lives and why this is so important in being the people that God calls us to be. So as we continue to talk about the framework of holiness today, we're really going to be getting into the aspect of some core things that go on in our lives. And one is around change. Change. But I would argue that even more than just change, we also talk about the aspects of challenges and chore. I think many times you've heard over the course of years, if you've grown up like I have, that there's only two things guaranteed in life, and that is death and taxes. There's actually three more things I call the three inevitables of life, and those are, as I just mentioned, change, challenge, and chore. In the end, there's always going to be adjustments to make, obstacles to overcome, and work to do in our lives. From the beginning of life all the way to the end of our life, there's always change, challenge, and chore. And how we respond to this has so much to do with, again, how much we aspire to adhere to God's design for ourselves in this world, and how much we pursue Him in this whole Christian life that we're seeking to understand. So I actually want to begin with the topic of change today, and I think it's just a really critical one because, of course, every day in our lives, we're asked to change in different ways. I mean, sometimes we really love the change that we're pursuing and it's, its growth in areas that we want, but so often in life, we're being asked to change and we're challenged to change in ways that we're not even feeling ready or maybe not even feeling that we desire to go there at all. So I'm going to begin with the idea of change and, and just this idea in general And I'm going to talk about New Year's resolutions because I think that so often this is something that we've all experienced, right? This idea of, okay, at the beginning of the year, I'm going to do things well. I'm going to change in the area that I think is important. But very often, these New Year's resolutions just fail. And we've all been a part of situations where we're just immediately committed. you know, Right before the New Year starts, we come up with ideas and we're feeling good for the first few weeks. And then very often, New Year's resolutions, even by February, people have kind of let go of them. And so we're going to talk today about why it's important to understand not just why New Year's resolutions fail, but attempts to change in general fail overall. So the first obstacle to resolutions or change of any kind is that we often don't anticipate obstacles that we're confronted with. We don't really take time to predict and think about our future selves and the kinds of things that will likely impact us in the future to prevent us from achieving or pursuing the goals that we have. So let's take the the very time-honored idea of losing weight. I think that's probably one of the most common New Year's resolutions that exists or or just getting healthier in general is that we often don't necessarily when it comes to getting healthier or losing weight, we don't anticipate those obstacles and we don't make plans to think about how these future obstacles or future selves may get in the way. So whether it is not making plans for making sure that the house doesn't have food in it or that we change the food ahead of time So it's not readily available, which is, of course, one really just tempting way to eat things that we don't want to eat. Or whether it's not even thinking about, let's say, you're you're out to exercise and, you know, you set these goals, but you don't think about the obstacles ahead of time that are already present in your life. And you don't plan to see how you're going to change or counteract those obstacles in ways that will likely make exercise successful. There's many things that we just don't go about before we say, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, this is how I'm going to change. And we don't really plan to addressing kind of the barriers that already exist. And I think one of the best things we can do when we think about going forward with change is before we resolve in any way to make change, it's good for us to sit down and even sit down with those who are close to us and say, okay, so here's the thing I I think I want to do, right? I'm I'm in this, what we call preparation stage. And, And, you know, by the way, change goes through stages and we'll talk more about this, but we really go from pre-contemplation to contemplation to preparation to action and then to maintenance. And we, we cycle through those many times, right? But if you're in the preparation stage, no matter what change you're thinking of in your life, before you resolve and set clear goals, you need to consider what are the obstacles in your way. The second reason why attempts at change often fail is that we just start too fast and too intensely. Going back to the exercise analogy, You know, let's say you haven't been in the gym at all, and I think this happens a lot at the beginning of the new year. You go from zero days in the gym to five days in the gym. And although there's there's the rare soul that kind of take that on and run with it, most people are rarely going to go from zero days to five days and be successful. Most change just doesn't happen. Or if it happens that way, it doesn't sustain itself that way. So I always say that one of the best things when it comes to being effective with change is to really undershoot. I don't mean that you shouldn't have aspirations and hopes and ideals, but undershoot your initial goals. And it's better to focus on overperforming than of course what happens with underperforming. So if you haven't been to the gym at all, better to say, I'm going to go to the gym one day a week for the next month. Or I'm going to go to the gym maybe maybe two days or or have let's say two walks a week if I haven't been outside moving at all. And I'm going to really strive to be successful there because if I shoot too high too quickly, it's just likely not going to sustain itself. It's just difficult to, to change habits in that way. The third is that we often see failure as a finality, not a step in the process. And think about this. Think of all the times that you and I have set goals and or we've had ideas in our mind and we're really like gung-ho. We've got an, we feel like the spirit's within us and we're ready to change. And then a week down the way, we fail. Something to happen. We we decide that, oh, you know what? I was doing it all these days in a row and now I'm failing. And what happens in our mind is that we become insecure in this idea that we can actually change, right? We start to have negative self-talk and we start to convince ourselves that maybe the failure is a sign again of a finality. By the way, I love this acronym somebody taught me years ago. Failure is the first or forever attempt in learning. I should say fail, right? Fail, think about it. F-A-I-L, first or forever attempt in learning. So the reality is that in order to learn and change and improve, we're going to have to fail, right? And we have to accept that that's just part of the process. In fact, to give you kind of a scientific perspective on those who go to stop smoking, on average, smokers try to stop seven times before they're ever successful. If they are successful. So, you know, you could consider that. There's many times that people say, I'm going to stop smoking and they might do it for a little while. But the reality is it almost takes, you know, the number of days of a week to fail in order to be successful. So, we have this issue with change, right? We don't anticipate obstacles and we don't plan well for them. We start too fast and too intensely. And then again, we often see failure as a finality, not a step in the process. Ultimately, I would argue that the biggest reason that we fail consistently is that we don't go deep enough with our goals, and we don't go deep enough with what we desire and what God's really calling us to. Let's go back to the idea of losing weight. There's nothing wrong with looking better or being healthier and being positive and desiring it for that reason, right? To lose weight. However, losing weight to be healthier or look better only goes so far... Unless we feel it helps fulfill particular calls that we have in our lives, or unless it helps us fill the roles that we have in our lives much better. Imagine that losing weight for you, if you're a mother or father out there, you saw that as a way to be the the mother or father that you desire to be, in giving you increased energy, in sustaining you in ways you didn't think you could sustain before, in becoming more healthy you suddenly saw that the the intentions you had for parenting were becoming realized. And in the process, losing weight wasn't just about looking better, but it was about assuming this role, these calls that you so desired to have and fulfilling them and increasing your capacity to do that. Imagine that we saw that as part of God's design. In doing these and setting these goals, it really wasn't even about the goal itself. It was about the shared relationship with other people and the shared relationship with our God to become who we really desire to become. I think that's one of the things we ought to consider with whatever change. Sometimes we think, oh, it's a small change. It's a little thing. But why not? Even if you're discerning the Christian life, even if you're not sure where you land, why wouldn't you want to go deeper? We know that science suggests that even when we go deeper, we are more likely to sustain. But even forget science for this point and think, If the changes I was making meant more than just the changes themselves, wouldn't that open up avenues of motivation? So I want us to consider the research on volunteering as an example, assuming, again, volunteering we're not overdoing it because every good thing can be overdone. But I want us to talk about why volunteering isn't just good for the person that you're helping, but is also good for the helper, him or herself. We already know that volunteering from a scientific standpoint improves mood and decreases anxiety. It increases social connectedness, but does a lot of really positive things for the helper. Again, not just the person helped. But the question is why? Why does it do this? And you know what, we, what we find from the scientific literature is that part of it is that we don't just feel good about what we're doing, right? Feeling good like eating a blizzard, Dairy Queen, hey, like it feels good in the moment. And again, nothing wrong with that to a certain extent. But volunteering helps us, and this is the key, feel good about ourselves. And at a deeper level, this was actually a concept that was studied back in the early 80s. It's the concept of mattering. We really begin to feel that we matter to other people. And I would argue, although we always matter to God, and no matter who we are and where we are, we always desire to have that value— that when we're doing things that honor God's design for us and honor God's world for us, I would argue that we begin to feel we matter to God even more, even if we've mattered all the same all along. And in the end of the day, when we feel that we matter in this world, it allows us to exceed our capacity in ways we wouldn't even imagine sometimes. We've all had these situations where we thought at the beginning of a particular project or or something was going on, we thought, how am I going to sustain this for even a week? And the next thing you know, it's sustained for not just a week, but months and sometimes years and times that it's just hard to imagine. So here we are with this idea of change, challenge, and chore. God's design demands, I would argue, a divine attitude towards all three. And I think the key is, is that When we not only feel that our growth and positive change matters to other people, but matters to our God, we really begin to look at this process differently. In my own life, I want to describe a shift here that years ago I made that has made all the difference. And I ask you to just consider, would it make a difference if you shifted in this way? Or maybe you already find yourself in this place. I started to think about what if I stopped looking at various aspects of my life as commitments, Again, nothing wrong with a commitment, but commitments are bound often by obligation, things we should do, or we know that we are supposed to. Do. And what if I started shifting over so many aspects of my life, not just being a commitment, but being a covenant, a covenant with God to say, I think this is something that's really important in many ways, even if I don't understand it, even if it's somewhat mysterious. See, again, the commitment is bound by obligation, but a covenant is bound by love. And with love, we we seek to work through things in a different way. If we truly love who we are attempting to love or where we are going that we should love. With a commitment, obstacles are something that we kind of seek to avoid or sometimes they, they really deter us, even if it's something we think we should do. But when we are experiencing a covenant, when we have that ideal, that we look at obstacles as resistance. And there's something to work through. And at times, even something to embrace as struggles that can redeem us in ways that are hard to understand. Again, with a commitment, consider that we see things as what we should be doing with tasks and chores. But with a covenant, it gives way to who we're becoming. And that, in the end of the day, with change, I think is the real key. That although there's nothing wrong with doing different things and we have lots to do in our life. If we sense that we are becoming who we believe we should be, if we sense we are becoming someone that rises up, the spirit inside of us that we've talked about before in these podcasts, that spirit of ourselves, that spirit of our God is rising up into us and rising up through us and rising out into the world around us. And people are recognizing that, well, as you can hear in my voice, it's all about who we're becoming. And at that point, change seeds to something much better, something much greater. It's no longer change. It's growth. And really, in the end of the day, when we're growing and we feel the Spirit growing inside of us, then I'm not saying that we aren't going to have frustrations. I'm not saying we're not going to be demoralized some days. I'm not saying we're not going to get tired. But I am saying that, again, we are pursuing this adventure of life that we desire to know where it's going to go. And we desire to know how we are going to play the part that we're given as beautifully, even as imperfectly, but as nobly as we can do it. Because in the end of the day, we hit all we have left to give. So wherever you're at tonight, wherever you're at today, wherever you're listening at all, just consider that if you're being called to changes for whatever reason, maybe consider instead of committing yourself to it, Think about having a covenant with God when it comes to these changes and asking God, how are you asking me to grow through it all? This is Jim Schrader. Be holy, be whole.